0: Oh hi, I'm your host Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why.
1: Oh my gosh! Thank you so
0: much. The artists who's brought those characters to life are our nominees for performance by an actress... And a leading role. Isabel Uper, L.
2: <laughs> Ruth Nega, Loving. Natalie Portman, Jackie. Emma Stone, La La Land. Meryl Streep, Florence Foster
1: Jenkins. And the Oscar goes to Emma Stone, La La Land. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2017 ceremony year win for Emma Stone for the movie La La Land. This is, of course, the famous Faye Dunaway and uh, Warren Beatty fail, uh, which actually it really was Warren Beatty. And then he kind of just like passed it off to Faye Dunaway. And then she took the heat. But really it was like the both of them. But I'm mostly going to blame Warren Beatty because I hate his stupid face. And then the actual best picture went to Moonlight. So very quickly, best picture went to Moonlight. Not La La Land. Best actor went to Casey Affleck for the movie Manchester by the Sea. I know he is a very problematic person right now, but mmm, girl, he is sexy in that movie. (laughs) Uh, Best Supporting Actor went to Mahershala Ali for Moonlight, but I like to call him my mashugana. Uh, Best Supporting Actress went to Viola Davis for Fences, category fraud, that was definitely a lead, but whatever. And Best Director went to Damien Chazelle for La La Land. So in a way, La La Land did almost kind of win Best Picture because people often argue that director and picture is like kind of the same thing. Uh, today I am joined by a guest that I've had in this podcast before, somebody that I love very, very much. He is a co-worker. He is a friend. He has a Winnipeg Comedy Festival television taping The themed gala is Love Languages that is coming out this Friday, and after this episode airs, you can check it out on CBC Gem. It's Ted Morris. Hi, Ted. Hi, everyone. Hi. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much again for being on this podcast. We always love having you. Um, Tell me a little bit about your Winnipeg love languages. So what was the love language that you talked about?
2: The love language was
0: my pandemic discoveries
2: of my partner being a kinky little
1: boy. Oh, that's super fun. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of on a similar journey right now. Turns out I'm 33 and I'm really into leather because I went to the Black Eagle Bar once. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> hmm, that's we've, new. We've got a little bit of leather.
2: We've got, we've got, we've got a few items that we're adding to our <laughs> collection of sexy dead
0: cows. <laughs> well, I'm currently on the hunt for chaps. Okay. Because I went to the men's room. I'm like, do you have, because they have harnesses. Yeah. They have like. Ball gag, so I'm like, okay, they have fetish stuff, yeah, but do they have chaps? No,
2: you know, go to Northbound. What is that? Northbound Leather. It is like the Toronto spot for, for leather. They moved over to like Liberty Village, uh, okay. like a year or so That's ago. Interesting, uh, and they're great. The very helpful, very non-judgmental, lots of stuff, interesting. And, uh, Yeah, it was. It's very interesting when I I went in there and I bought a. I was buying a flogger like you do, as you do, and I'm just like, okay, yes. Need a flogger, and she's like, "Okay, we'll grab these. You know, see how they feel in your hands." Like I I'm like, oh, "I just wanted to grab one and go." But okay, I understand. Yes, no, ergonomics
0: are very important. Well, I guess they have to be trained in that way. I remember the first time I ever bought something from a sex shop. I bought this like ridiculously sized dildo <laughs> that, by the way, never fit. Okay,
2: aspirational dildos.
0: <laughs> but it was it was nice to look at. I remember I bought it, and I remember I asked the person if I could have a bag. I was like, can I please have a bag? And they're like, um, yeah, that's how that works here. Like, we're going to give you like a discreet option. We're not going to expect you to walk in downtown Ottawa with like a giant dick in your hand. <laughs> I did walk home after
2: buying like the gallon jug of lube from out on the street. <laughs> yes. And they're like, do you want a bag? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I don't. I want to take this home on the, on the TTC and I want everyone taking public transit to, to know that I'm getting some. Getting, yeah, you're like, getting Like enough that
0: I need all this lube. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny um well this was a very kinky start to the episode but uh that's great um so i always like to ask guests whenever i have them on the show specifically like why they may have picked a certain year if it was random if there was like one particular movie but like why emma stone in la la land uh i picked
2: it because i hadn't seen the movie uh okay. i love emma stone i knew like stuff about the movie and then I, I always look at you know who else is in there and i'm like oh i haven't seen any of these movies mm. so okay it's it's catching up this is good th- this is me catching up with pop culture from six years ago
0: I mean frankly that's kind of my um, whole reason for doing this podcast because unless there's like some way that I can make content about it I have no interest. <laughs> In like opening a book and reading, or like you know going through Wikipedia, I'm like no, like I, I has to be like a twofer. But like this can't just be for me. Exactly, like it has to be for. I have to share the wealth with everybody. Yes, absolutely. I also
2: learned my mistake from uh, a previous episode, and don't pick a don't pick a date that's too far in the past because <laughs> it becomes much more challenging to find those
0: movies. I was gonna bring up when we did that. Was it called Testament? Oh yeah, that uh, that. Mm-hmm horrifying it was like a made for TV movie with Jane Alexander that got like nominated for an Oscar I was so confused so bad and I remember um, there was it was listening back to that episode though it was just comedy for us but yeah (laughs) not, not a great not a great movie Um, Okay. Well, let's jump in here. So let's talk about our first nominee and I am excited to talk about this because I remember the first time that I saw this movie, I hated it. And then this time I actually fucking loved it. So let's talk about Isabelle Huppert in the movie Elle, Mm. um, which is a very dark, dark movie. Yeah. You want to talk about kinky. There's definitely some kinky themes going on in this movie. So just a couple of facts very quickly about Elle. Nicole Kidman, Sharon Stone, Diane Lane, Julianne Moore were all offered the role and turned it down and it was originally supposed to be an American production and it like literally got shopped around by so many people and then Isabel Huppert got a hold of it and then uh, like so many scripts and so many script changes later ended up just being like a French movie. But this was originally supposed to be like an American kind of situation. And um, it also failed to make the short list of the foreign language films at the Oscars. So um, they think that this is why it probably won the Golden Globe for best drama. Uh, But very quickly, what it's about. Um, A successful businesswoman gets caught up in a game of cat and mouse as she tracks down the unknown man who raped her. And that is just the surface. Oh, that like is like one
2: of 8,000 plot lines that are going on (laughs) in this movie.
0: (laughs) Because he rapes her, but then she like gets into the rape.
2: Yeah. It turned into a a very weird BDSM thing where no one talked about their limits. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is, no, this is not how you
0: do this. And She's having affairs with everybody. Oh, everyone's,
2: this is what my favorite thing about French movies, because everyone seems like they're two seconds away from just disrobing and having sex with someone in the <laughs> scene, whether it makes sense or not. I'm like, what is going
0: on? Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, like, uh, French people are very sexual. Like, going into Montreal, it's very sex-positive. Not that Toronto isn't sex-positive, but, like, Montreal, like, just takes it to another level.
2: Well, it was nice seeing... They're very good at, at just be like letting people be sexual and not yeah. being like oh look it's an it's an older person being sexual let's celebrate that I was like no just just yeah. let them do their thing let them do their thing just let them do their thing it's 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 nothing relevatory. it's just not something that we see on the screen all the time
0: yeah and the movie literally like first scene opens with a rather violent rape scene yeah but in the movie Isabelle Huppert is like really chill like while it's happening she does kind of fight him off for a bit and then there's this kind of like she's just letting it happen moment and then when you're watching it you're like oh because she's giving up because she's being overpowered but then as the movie kind of goes on there's this weird like is it like a self-worth thing because there's also a lot of themes of like faith Mm -hmm. they talk about the pope a lot i mean when the i think it was the third rape that happened it was like in the rapist's basement, which was supposed to look like hell because everything was all red and there was like a furnace. Oh, I totally didn't get that. <laughs> oh, There was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of like symbolism that was going on. And so I think that the neighbor, that spoiler alert for anybody <gasps> listening, uh, the neighbor is the rapist. And I think that he is supposed to represent um, judgment and god of what she believes that she deserves which is why the basement's all red like hell and because and then here we go into the other plot her father like butchered a neighborhood
2: like 27 people yeah
0: like because i was waiting
2: for them to be like what did he do what did he do because they kept alluding to this like horrible thing that he did. I'm like, what happened? I'm like, I didn't imagine him going door to door and just slaughtering an entire yeah.
0: neighborhood. I'm like, okay. All right. And this is just a subplot. This is just like yeah. the line of this yeah. movie. He's like, I'm going caroling. Cause it was like Christmas. Yeah. And then he like murdered everybody. And then she was like the lone survivor that was standing in a pile of ash. And then again, we have themes of like hell and fire Mm. and brimstone because that's where she is in like through development because she's in her own personal hell. So all this violence towards her, all this chaos, it's like she believes that she was deserving of all of these horrible things that are happening to her um i do like the way that a lot of the plot unfolded oh absolutely yeah i was not expecting
2: it to be this weird yeah. like <laughs> mystery like and there was comedy in it. like there were points where i'm like oh this is this is a dark comedy yeah. <laughs> like it this is, is very I am, dark it is very dark which is my cup of tea but i was like oh oh i didn't okay i wasn't expecting humor in this <laughs>
0: And I do also want to point out as a side note for anybody that is listening that isn't aware, Ted is a vet and I do have to, Say the way that they framed it, the cat looked like it was in on it, just a little. Oh, bit. that
1: was classic cat behavior. Like the <laughs>
2: opening shot is like you hear the rape, but it's just a black screen, and then you see a rather disinterested cat. Yeah, like okay, just wandering away. Of like, you are a useless animal. You really are. The cat's I'm like, "Where's attacked. my fancy like, feast, bitch?" So dinner. Am I getting dinner now? Okay, get yourself together, have a bath, and then get me some dinner. It's absolutely the yeah, cat. If you don't was, get up, I'll eat your face. I will. I swear to God.
0: <laughs> um she's also yeah so she's also having an affair with her friend's husband friend and business partner that was there were a couple scenes where they were doing it in the office that were like kind of hot i'll be honest with you (laughs) (laughs) it's just talking about isabel hubert's like performance specifically like girl good for you (laughs) for fucking going there absolutely you know I think that that's something that has to kind of be like rewarded because compared to like Emma Stone, like singing and dancing and like twirling, it's like Isabel Hubert is getting like raped multiple times. Yeah, And then like like redoing
2: the scene and reimagining, because there was one scene where she just like, it hits him in the head with the thing that she was trying to pull out. I'm like, was there another one? I was like, okay, no, this is just wish fulfillment, and this is just yeah. how you wanted it to go. But I'm like, oh, sweet beats, lady. Oh, yeah, she went. She went through the ringer. I was, uh, I was very impressed. I
0: can't remember. How did he die in the end?
2: Her son comes in and hits him over the head. Hits him over she, the head. Yeah. Yes,
0: that's right. And then I remember um, the wife of like the neighbor's wife, like the rapist's wife. Was so chill about it. Oh, super chill, and
2: and she made some comment about. I'm glad that you were able to give him what he needed. Yeah. like, Oh, so you know he's a he's a dirty pig. Yeah. Okay. Oh,
0: he's a, he he just has like dark interests, and you're t- like.
2: Okay. She's like I love my life-size nativity scene figures and he <laughs> loves breaking in on women and raping them. It's different interests. Different it's important to have different interests as
1: oh a couple. God. Yeah,
0: there were there were a couple of things where you're like what's going on in France? Yeah. Where like this is apparently appropriate. Like not appropriate, but you guys just seemed like it wasn't like the most traumatic thing that could happen to a person.
2: Yeah. This was just sort of very casual. But I mean even her reaction to the first assault was very much like okay. Yeah. All right. Indifferent. I'll just casually mention this at dinner. (laughs) Yes. Just like, oh, yeah, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I was was a little bit raped last week. Eh, No big deal. Yeah, no big
0: deal. You didn't go to the cops? Eh, What are the cops going to do? Yeah. I'm like, okay. You're like, well, okay, I guess we're just going to champagne. Like, it was just, it was fucking weird. It's like, what champagne? What wine goes with that? Yeah. (laughs) Right. But that being said, though, um, I've never seen a movie like that. Or a performance like that in my entire life. No. So I really appreciated that. And I mean, Isabel Huppert, like, she is, like, one of the most famous actresses of all time, especially in Europe. I know that she won, like, the Cannes Film Festival Best Actress, like, back in the 70s or 80s. And then she had, like, a fantastic career in Europe. Mm -hmm. Maybe she wasn't as celebrated in North America, but I guess this was her first Oscar nomination. This was the... I may have seen stuff that she's... In but this was kind of like the first time she came into my consciousness. Yeah, and now I'm like, oh, I want to see everything that you've done. And then also there were parts where like the rapist like saves her and like mends her wounds. Yeah, but she has a car accident and she calls like no one answers. She's like, oh, I'll just I'll just call my rapist
2: neighbor and he'll come (laughs) and help me.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) And I get that they were going for this whole like she's doing this because she feels like she deserves this because it's like, again, tying to themes of like religion. I understand that, but I don't know if it was very effective because it mostly had me as the audience member just being like, what the fuck? bitch? What is
2: going on? I mean, her entire I I think if it was an American movie, it would have been like a completely different tone. Yeah. Because I don't think an American audience would accept anything less than some degree of hysteria after you've been Absolutely. Assaulted. Yeah. But so, it was uh, kind of, I don't want to say, re- well, I'll say refreshing. It was refreshing that she was just like, okay, yeah, all yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Let's,
0: let's see what happens. Let's, let's, see move, what let's happens. move on and figure this out. Well, I mean, whenever her mother dies and they're going to spread her ashes, her son and she get into a big fight because the... the the girlfriend who had a baby that obviously (laughs) he's not the father because the baby's black. yeah. And then she calls him out on it and then he calls her a cunt. Yeah. And then he walks away and then she goes, oh, well, let's just still spread grandma's ashes and let's just move on. This is just what happens. It's just just Tuesday. Yeah. Like, it was a very, um, really fucked up movie with a lot of fucked up themes, but she carried it in such an interesting way that, like, Bitch, I couldn't take my eyes off of her. <laughs> well, she, I, she got more upset about the
2: new apartment they wanted to rent than she did about any, literally so anything true. else that happened. Yeah. Just
0: like, unacceptable. <laughs> like, okay. This is your line?
2: This is your line. Oh. A two-bedroom
0: apartment is where you draw the line. This is ridiculous. And I love how the way that they had to demonstrate that she's not afraid to stand up to intimidating men is by making her the like boss of a video game company. I know, I know, I went to school for illustration, and we also uh, had, like, an animation program. And, like, I know people that work in that kind of technical environment, and they are, like, the nerdiest, most harmless people. they're very easy to intimidate. And then, like, one of them was like, oh, was he the rapist? And it was, like, this scary guy that just got out of jail. And you're like, I don't know any video game people like that. Yeah, that would have been too obvious. I'm like,
2: nah, this is... I mean, some of this stuff, like, when she had that guy investigating who sent that... Uh, the video around where they, they cut the footage from the video game with her getting like raped by tentacles. Yes. And, and I'm like, okay, well, it's the, it's, it's the guy that she's asking to look for stuff. But I'm like, that's too obvious. It's too nothing obvious. in this movie is obvious. There like,
1: was a like lot it,
0: of... It was nothing but left turns for me. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> no. What? Okay. Because you're dealing with the affairs that she's having. You're dealing with her butcher father who killed a neighborhood on Christmas then you're also dealing with this who done it rape situation you're also dealing with like a weird baby daddy situation drama where clearly like it, her son is not the father of this black baby oh, that happened to my brother-in-law really <laughs> it was adorable <laughs> what do you mean like your
2: sister my uh, no Jeff's brother uh, his his uh, wife at the time uh, had a baby and it came out the wrong color. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> they're like, oopsie doodle. Oh, yeah. wow. So I'm assuming they're not together anymore. Not together
2: anymore. Weird. There was a fun scene with a, a pickup truck and a shotgun that <laughs> like, we won't go into. <laughs> I feel like the audience is really getting a lot from, from you right? and I this week. Mm. Yeah. We have a lot to mine here. This is a dark episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> she felt that she needed to be
0: punished for what her dad did it is a very intense movie it's ex- probably one of the most interesting movies i think i've ever seen it's one of the bravest performances i've ever seen because i can't imagine having to act out any of that shit yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um i love the extreme dysfunction of the family and i like how every character was so unlikable but i was still like hooked And, just as a side note, this has nothing to do with the acting, I knew who the rapist was right away, because remember when he pulls up his pants? Yeah. You can see his butt? Girl, I can always always (laughs) check out and see and remember a nice butt. A butt whisperer. I am. And then when he came in the next scene, I was like, oh, it's him. That's the butt. It's the butt. That's the butt. Um, (laughs) Do you have anything else that you would like to add to this very dark performance before we move on? Uh,
2: No, I was just shocked that it was from... uh, The director that it came from because I'm like, who directed this? I'm like Paul Verhoeven, really?
0: Yeah, because he's Dutch. But
2: he did like Robocop and Total Recall and Showgirls and Starship Troopers and like all this weird stuff and I'm like, okay, now you're, all right. (laughs) Because <laughs> I, I didn't pay attention to any of his European <laughs> movies that he did. I only paid attention to the stuff he did in America. I was like, I oh, he's done all kinds of stuff.
0: I can't believe he did Showgirls. I've never seen Showgirls. <gasps> Showgirls is so bad. It's I so great. It. Yeah, oh, I've it's heard great. it's like the ultimate best. That and Mommy Dearest are like the best worst oh. movies. Showgirls is so much fun.
2: Because uh, I, I may have seen it in the theater. Oh, wow. When it came out. And it was so obvious that Elizabeth Berkeley was like, this is the movie that's gonna turn me into yeah. a star. It's <laughs> right. like, I'm an actor, and everyone else is like, No, we're just in this sh- schlocky B movie, basically. <laughs> but he went. He's one of the few people that was uh, nominated for a Golden Raspberry for like
0: worst movie, and actually showed up to accept his award. It's amazing, which I appreciate. I do appreciate that. Um, okay, so uh, let's move on. Let us talk about. Uh, Ruth Nega in the movie Loving playing opposite um, Joel Edgerton. They play Mildred and Richard Loving. So this is actually based on a true story of um, uh, Mildred and Richard Loving who uh, basically changed the Constitution in America. Um, Where did I write this down? So uh, the U.S. Supreme Court decided that Loving versus Virginia unanimously held that Virginia's Racial Integrity Act of 1924 forbade marriage between people of different races was unconstitutional, therefore voided all laws in other states. So this was like a game changer. Um, this production was filmed outside of actual, the actual Virginia jail where the couple was incarcerated and inside the jailhouse where the couple pled guilty to the quote unquote crime of being married. Um, Mildred Loving in real life is actually half black and half Native American. She's Cherokee um, on her father's side and actually preferred to self-identify as native, not black. And the most impressive thing that I found about this movie is that Ruth Nega is actually Irish. Yes, she is. Yeah, I didn't know that. And so, like, props to the accent because it was, like, flawless. Um, I always find that very impressive whenever an actor or an actress can... Um, just switch into it and i i don't notice it because i'm usually pretty good at picking on the butt whisperer and the <laughs> the accent, accent whisperer. whisperer uh but ruth Nanga like nailed this accent um i will be honest with you i've seen this movie before i think that of all of the movies it's probably one of the most compelling performances and the most compelling films but overall i found the first hour extremely boring i wasn't really interested in it until they started like uh when it became kind of like a a, like a like a courtroom drama right a little bit that's when it really picked up for me um have you seen this before i had not seen it before i was
2: familiar with the with the case of course but this is the first time seeing it and i love ruth nega i think Mm -hmm. she's Fantastic. I just I didn't feel like there was much to hang a, an entire movie on because mm-hmm. both of them seem they're not like tr- true activists. Like there wasn't a story of like them like really getting out there and taking to the streets. Like they they it was very sort of quiet activism, and it was only after she like wrote to like but the ACLU that like other people came in and kind of did the activism on on their behalf. So mm-hmm. it it just it just felt like a really slight movie. It was beautifully shot. All the performances were fantastic, but it just didn't... It just didn't grab me. Like, there wasn't... It's a landmark case. It was an important case, but there just wasn't enough to, like, really maintain my interest the whole way through, other than being like, oh, look, Nick Kroll's playing a dramatic role. I know,
0: that's exactly what... I literally just wrote (laughs) down Nick Kroll because I was like, oh, yeah, Nick Kroll was in this movie because everything that you just said, I completely agree because, um, like I'm saying, it's a very compelling story because it's based on a true event. It's just there there was almost like this this one element that was just missing that could have maybe made it more captivating. Yeah. But I also was just fresh off the movie L, which was the most <laughs> intense movie. So like maybe there's that I have to consider as well. Um, but like just in terms of like her performance specifically, it was a very um, quiet, calm performance that she had to maintain because of her... Because of her race, because of her gender, because yeah. of, like, the time in history. And she had to trust her husband. And you can't, like, step outside the line too much when you're already stepping outside the line. Like, there's a kind of, like, a fine balance. And I understood that that's, like, how she was playing the character. And that's, like, how it was uh, kind of, like, coming across on screen. So, it sort of, like, a quiet strength. Um, but the only time that you really see, like, a big sort of devastating moment is whenever she has to leave her family. Yeah. And she has to leave the state of Virginia to go stay with, like, other family. Yeah, and it, it made sense that, that it was a quiet
2: performance because her, absolutely her status at the time would not have allowed for
0: mm-hmm. for anything
2: more dramatic yeah. uh, than that. So she did, I I thought, like, being true to the character, she was... She was fantastic,
0: and that's the thing—is she is being true to the character. So you have to give her like kind of like an A plus for that. But that being said, like when you're watching it as a movie, it doesn't miss necessarily make me like want to watch it for two more hours.
2: No, and like it, the movie's based on a book, and even the book she didn't write—like it's someone else writing her story, and then someone else filming that story. Yeah, and so I think that may also have been why it was like, made me feel just slightly removed from the from the entire thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was an undeserving performance for an Oscar, but yeah. there's
0: always those performances where I'm like, what else?
2: When, who else was, yeah, who else what what else was going contention? on that year? Yeah. When, what right. else was happening?
0: Um, I still have to say, yeah, points for the accent. Um, I thought it was really interesting that they had to, like, move to the country because the kids just couldn't handle, like, looking in the street before they run into it. Well, your kids are dumb. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> there was that. I thought that was kind of... Yeah, even if they just invented cars,
2: you can still teach your kids to look both ways. Um, it's not like they grew up with country values
0: and it just came out with them. I think that this movie overall, if I had to, like, just sum it up in three words, was had its moments. Yeah. And that's how I would really just walk yeah. away from it. Because I would honestly never revisit this
2: i wouldn't revisit it it's not a movie i would like talk up to people like oh you have to see this movie but if you're like if you're interested yeah 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 yeah, go watch it but like don't i wouldn't go out of your way you're you're not you're not missing
0: anything anything earth-shattering i don't think i think for me the oscar moment from her was whenever she was in jail for the first time and she's pregnant and she's terrified and you can feel her fear. You can feel her anxiety when she's in the cell. And then she is bailed out by her father on Monday, because they like tried to get her out earlier. They're like, "Come on Monday, come on Monday." And like, if you don't, like, we'll make this even worse on you. And then when her father bails her out, it's like the gravity of her decisions and the injustice of it all kind of like hits her. And I really bought that. And I, I bought that scene, and it was just very real for yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that was like her Oscar moment. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't
2: have been as impressed by that scene if I hadn't seen her in other stuff. So I could be like, right. so I can compare that those performances and, you know, how much is performance and how much is just them. So I was like, this is all performance. This was, yeah,
0: this was, is this was all, all acting. Good I, job. Absolutely. Um, fa- that's fantastic acting. Meh movie. Yeah. 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 Um, Side note about Nick Kroll. <laughs> I was a little worried seeing him in this. I was like, oh no. Because, you know, sometimes like when you watch a comedian, like you're very aware that yes. you're watching a comedian like Amy Schumer. Like, she's like my favorite stand-up comedian. I love that bitch. Like, don't get me wrong, but like her acting, I'm always very aware that I'm oh, watching yeah. Amy Schumer. It's like it's like Seinfeld.
2: So it's like he was oh, 100%. 100%. Like, yeah,
0: you're just standing back watching all these other actors do their job and trying to 100%. keep up. 100%. Yeah. Um, Seeing Nick Kroll was very interesting. I actually, I remember, this is not about the movie. This is just a little anecdote about Nick Kroll. In 2019, we had done a um, John Doerr's The Stand-Up taping there for JFL, uh, just for laughs. And I remember, um, you know, we're backstage and it was a mix of Americans and some other international comics and stuff like that. And someone was like, Nick Kroll is in the audience. And I remember everybody was like stressed out and freaking (laughs) out and they like let it get to them and they like, it fucked up their performance because Nick Kroll was in the audience. I'm like, it's Nick fucking Kroll. Kroll. He literally has a character. What was it? Publicity where he like puts on a wig and he's like acting like a white girl. Like he doesn't care about people making a fool of themselves. No, he loves that. Exactly. It's Nick Kroll. Like that's what he's there for. It didn't, it did not bother me at all that he's in the audience. If you can't do
2: comedy in front of a
0: comedian, yeah. I can't help you. Yeah, I, know, I can't like, help you. It's just you're projecting insecurity, yeah. right? It's like, I'm
2: sorry, I, oh, I can only have people who
0: don't know anything about comedy watching exactly. me. This has to be an anonymous performance. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, do you have anything else that you would like to add to uh, Ruth Nega's performance before we move no, on? No, I barely wrote anything down for this, so clearly I did not have much to say. I will say Joel Egerton gave a wonderful performance, but that bleach job on his head was so fucking bad. That was a choice. Yeah, it yeah, was a it choice. Was. It, it was, was like yellow. It yeah. was like that's not
2: that's not blonde. That is yellow. Because I I read something about that. He's like, no, that was a deliberate choice. Along with the teeth, it really helped me get into character. I'm like, mm. okay, so your your character gets bad dye jobs. Yeah, <laughs> okay.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> Seems like a weird thing for like a bricklayer, but whatever. A little bit.
0: oh, and also aside of the movie, after all this, you find out that in real life, like he died because some drunk driver hit him seven years later. Yeah. And you're like, oh. No. Well, what was the point of this movie? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I almost wish they showed that in the movie to make it more like a, oh my God, that's so sad. Yeah, at least they had seven years of bliss. Bliss. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you, know, you know how blissful those times were. <laughs> in the, the, in the, the 60s were to- totally fine. <laughs> Everything was fine.
0: Yeah, the whole movie was like, you know that some sort of uh, like either a hate crime or something really racist was on the horizon yeah. at all times. So there was that sense of anxiety. You just assume,
1: yeah. yeah. It was also
0: one of those movies where like, if you weren't someone from North
2: America, like they, they kind of didn't, you, you had to watch the movie just knowing a lot of, a lot of background. Yeah. Which I, which I understand when I was like, yeah, I think maybe cranking that up like a smidge, a, a, sh- a smidge might have raised the stakes a bit. <laughs> we knew the stakes were high, but let us know that the stakes are high.
0: Assume that I'm dumb. I, and they, 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 sh- they should that assume that we are dumb. And I do agree with that. Um, okay. Okay. So let's move on let's talk about natalie portman in the movie jackie let's so um director pablo lorraine estimated that one-third of the shots of this movie were actually first take apparently natalie portman just like fucking nailed this um the real pink suit that was worn by jackie o um that she was wearing like whenever uh, jfk was assassinated um is currently in the in archives in Maryland, and according to the family wishes, it will not be put on public display until the year 2103 because it's 150 years later. Okay. I don't know. And they think stain removing technology <laughs> will have <laughs> advanced
2: far enough to clean that dress Just up? Let's get
0: some OxyClean it's on that. Fine, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, Jackie Kennedy gave two interviews after her husband's death one to Life magazine, which is what this movie was about, and the journalist was played by Billy Crudup. Let's yeah. say it's. Uh, And she gave another interview um, to historian Arthur M. Schlesinger Jr., who recorded eight hours of um, Jackie Kennedy after she, and then, so recorded it for eight hours or whatever, but then after this, the two interviews that she did after the assassination, she never publicly spoke about this period of time ever again. Um, every character in this movie is actually a real life counterpart, minus the priest who was played by Sir John Hurt, because he was supposed to be an amalgamation of several reported accounts of Jackie consulting priests about her faith. (laughs) If you heard that sound, that was was neither of us. That was God. That was God. (laughs) They're doing construction. They're doing construction in our building. So that was just a drilling sound. Um, okay. So yes, this is a movie with Natalie Portman playing Jackie Kennedy after the JFK assassination and the trauma of that and her interview and the emotional journey that she goes on of eventually planning like this big, um, funeral, a public procession and how she refers to, um, his presidency as Camelot. Um, and it's a really heavy movie as well. Not as much as L, but it's a really heavy movie. Um, Have you seen this before? What do you think? I had not seen it before
2: and uh oof. Uh I don't know. Maybe like a two-hour movie, just
0: watching a woman grieve is
2: uh, not not the most compelling thing to put on the screen. It's a lot. Yeah, it
0: was a lot. A lot. Yeah, and that's where you really have to give Natalie Portman the 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 points because imagine just being an actor and having to cry for days and hours, like over and over and over. You know, that would just be so grueling, like emotionally. Bird, you say like a bit, a bit. A bit. Like it's a weird, almost like a Essex accent. It's very strange. It was yeah. Very strange. And then watching
2: her do like the accent, like her real accent, and then the accent she was doing when she was doing that tour of the, of the White House. Yeah where she's all like softer and weirder and, like yeah. so coy. I'm like, "Oh, I, I like this even less. I like this even <laughs> less. <laughs> almost like she was a ghost that was like haunting the house and like David very strange. Like I I know they were they weren't trying not to be heavy-handed with it, but just the theme of like this is I'm going to control the narrative and I'm going to I'm going to try and present myself the way I want you to perceive me and but you can't control any of that. Even when she was doing the interview and and the she's like reading back something that the guy said and she's like Oh well, I don't smoke, as she's sitting there like puffing away. Yeah. I'm like okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. So you just want to you want to have a, a complete control over this narrative. So now I don't know what to believe. Yeah, but that was the, that was the thing that kind of took me out. I was like, I don't know if any of this biopic is real. Is real because right. you're
0: already telling me that she's trying to control the narrative. So. So that, wouldn't that make the movie almost, like, effective then? Because that's how they're presenting it, as being like, this bitch was full of shit. <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> she was full of shit. Look how sad she was when yeah. her husband died.
2: <laughs> You're just doing this for attention.
0: Um, yeah, Natalie Portman in this movie, um, apparently that was one of the things that she said that she found the most interesting for researching for this role was the
1: revisionist-ness
0: of her, of Jackie O, because she literally kept... Uh, Yeah, changing things, removing things. And she's like, why? Like, why were you removing things? But I'm assuming it was just because it was like 1960s America. And much easier to control the narrative.
1: True.
2: Like much easier. You're having like two or three news sources, you know, you're talking to them directly. Yeah. And then you're taking
0: the guy's notes and be like, No, you're not talking about that. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Well, it's like that whole Donald Trump like make America great again. It's like, well, first of all, it's like, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But just specifically with like the media, it's like they did not have the same type of media uh control they probably had more control over the media than they did than they do now. Oh, absolutely. The technology, like I can literally, I have a thing in my pocket that I can just take out and just start recording you, like film-wise. And, like, there's no privacy anymore. And Twitter and stuff like that. It's like none of that stuff fucking existed. Yeah. So it's, like, it seemed great according to, like, uh, you know, Jackie o, She's rev- revising history and stuff like that. It's like, of course it seemed great because they just took out all the bad parts yeah. that they didn't want people to know. And then it presents as, like, amazing and wholesome and great. Yeah. And Americans absolutely love their mythology. Oh, yes. Uh, I will be kind to them and knock all propaganda, but they
2: love... The mythology of America more than the actual facts yes. uh, of, of America. America <laughs> on paper is amazing. I was like, okay, but open your
0: eyes and look outside. I was like, oh, it's a bit different. Yeah, like, yeah, just just a smidge. Just a, a smidge. smidge. Just a smidge. Um, well, I mean, also, yeah, during this time, because apparently America was so amazing, but then like also loving took place in the 1960s and the extreme racism <laughs> and hate crimes and all the things that went on during that time period. So it's like, was America really that great? Like, you know... Bits of it were. Bits of it were. If you were rich and white, it was amazing. Yep. Like like Jackie O. <laughs> um, we did a full circle there. That's beautiful. Um, but I think um, Natalie Portman just, for me, like absolutely nails this character. I think the only criticism that I will actually say of this performance in this movie, I think Natalie Portman is too pretty to play Jackie O. Oh, shots fired. Okay. I'm not saying that Jackie O wasn't pretty, but I'm saying, like, Natalie Portman is, like, angelic. Like, she's gorgeous. And I wouldn't, I think Jackie had her own kind of beauty. I don't think it was a Natalie Portman beauty. I think, like, to me, Natalie Portman is, like, a model, basically. And so I just thought that was a little. Generous. took you out uh, took me yeah. out of it a little bit see that um not like no shade to maybe a little shade to <laughs> Jackie oh there's some shade <laughs> maybe a little shade to Jackie I just thought Natalie Portman was just a little too pretty for the role but otherwise like she nails um the accent she uh I am there for her emotional journey I, I think that what just what's what's interesting about Pablo Lorraine because he also did Spencer with um Kristen Stewart mm-hmm. playing uh uh, princess diana you can see that he loves these like emotional journeys of like iconic women and um frankly i think natalie portman did a much better job but that's <laughs> a, yeah for someone who for a director who supposedly doesn't like to direct biopics right
2: like, Seems okay you like, seem to, to have done a couple of them yeah because because this is another script that bounced around a whole bunch of different directors before it settled on on him, on him. and it's always interesting to like oh maybe darren aronofsky would have done an interesting job with it but yeah. I don't know biopics I always feel like you're a little bit limited in you know truth and
0: history and it depends on how much of that you want to bend yeah. to to make your movie interesting absolutely and I think um also too I love the way that they don't shy away from certain things like whenever they talk about like how JFK like had an affair and she also doesn't want to talk about that wasn't it with like Marilyn Monroe oh yeah with a bunch of a bunch of people
2: yeah
0: um and uh I remember because she she really is basically just devastated in every single scene. So that that's very heavy, very hard, very difficult to watch. And as an audience member, that can get kind of exhausting. But I do give her like full props for like really going there. And I think for me, the most emotional scene that I got like kind of emotional was when she was talking about like the bullet going through his head, and then like him falling on her, and then she's trying to like cover it up. That like, yeah. was very um, very well acted, very real, and like I definitely like felt the emotion of that I
2: like that I really like the scenes on uh, I think we're on Air Force One when they were flying back with the coffin and just like it was very natural because like everyone is pretty much ignoring her because they're like oh someone's grieving this is uncomfortable right so <laughs> let's just not support her in any way and just let just have her be this isolated woman on this crowded <laughs> space when you said next Air Force One husband. I thought you
0: were talking about the movie with Harrison Ford <laughs> get off my plane <laughs> Um, but wasn't, on, I have it written down here too with Air Force One though, um, when they were asking her immediately about like the funeral p- procession and it was like way too soon. Like they had just gotten on the plane. Yeah, it was all, oh, it was, I mean, it, it did a good job of capturing that uncomfortable
2: Post-death feeling where you have to like there's stuff you have to do. You have to talk about stuff. You have to make plans. And All the while, someone is deeply grieving. Yeah, they're like yeah, but well, you need to do this, and this is even more high profile. Yeah. Although, come on, a procession. You're just asking. You're just inviting trouble. It's like, <laughs> well, let's just parade him around. You can't like they can't shoot him again. I'm yeah. Like, well, they can, and they can shoot you and a bunch of
0: other people. I found that reasoning. Com- confusing because in the end she basically was saying like no it was just for me and my vanity. And you're like, was it? Or was it like tribute to the American people because they deserve to see their president? I, I didn't understand that. Yeah, it was it was the confusion of grief. I think that could be that makes sense because yeah, um but I also love the way that when they were on Air Force One and they were trying to console her and she was just like literally having none of it.
2: Yeah. And but don't barge in on an autopsy either. Like there were certain <laughs> things she did where I'm like, okay, you're no this isn't helping. I'm just going to walk in here. Like no one does that. No one no one just barges in on an autopsy. And also, I think we know how he died. Yeah. Like this seems to be a bit of a
0: formality. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I really enjoyed this movie the first time I watched it. Having revisited it for this podcast um I mean, every single scene is Natalie Portman. The only reason to watch it is Natalie Portman. I think that, like, she really just delivers such an amazing performance. But when you do watch it back for the second time, um, it's not that it's not compelling. It's just that, like, it's more like the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, this is so sad and devastating. But then the second time that you watch it, it's just kind of like, okay, like, maybe I would have liked more...
2: Yeah, it doesn't, or... doesn't hit quite as hard. I, I yeah. didn't find, like, I I found it hard to stay focused. Know, focused on it. Yeah. Be, because I found it hard to be compelled by just so much grief. The I mean, the soundtrack I, I quite enjoyed because it was mm. so dissonant and jarring and yeah. upsetting in places. I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. I, I, I like what this is doing. Yeah, yeah. But, and it, it was a nice way to kind of break up the 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 constant near tears that was happening, but I was like, constant. oh, this is yeah a great performance in a in a movie that was kind of rough <sighs> to watch. It was rough to watch, but what was that thing that they did? It was like it was like a band of strings, and it'd be like yeah. I mean, some of it sounded like you could have put it in a horror movie. exactly and I'm like,
0: okay, I kind of like that. Yeah, that would have worked. But I did enjoy actually hearing like the history of things and how they were relating like Abraham Lincoln to like JFK, which I actually decided to look up like the by historians who rated, like, the number, like, the greatest, like, presidents of all time. And uh, it's every year they, like, um, it's based on, like, morality, foreign affairs, um, crisis management, um, public relations. uh, And the number one, like, consistently, is always uh, Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is... uh, Oh my God! Who's the one with the wooden teeth? Is it Benjamin Washington? George Washington. Then the second one is George Washington. I feel like the Americans listening right now are like just disgusted with me. But Ben Franklin's just on
2: the money. (laughs)
1: But name the last
0: (laughs) prime minister in Canada. Like suck my ass. Uh, But anyway, um, and then I think JFK was like top ten. So he's like very beloved, and I love the way that they kind of like gave a bit of a history lesson, and they're like kind of describing like um, like comparing. Like, the way that, like, he will be, like, a, a an oil painting in the hallway of the White House, just like Abraham Lincoln. And I, I love that kind of aspect of, like, the um, the history of, like, America. Like, that was kind of
1: interesting. Yeah, I, th- I
0: think TV helped a lot with
2: JFK, because they, there was, I can't remember, there's an interesting story about, like, a presidential debate. And, like, if people listen to it on the radio, they're like, oh, the other guy totally won, okay. based on, like, making good points and, and the actual debate. But people who watch it on TV were like, oh, JFK totally won. Because he was so, like, charismatic and, and right. photogenic. So, and
0: I'm right. like, okay, what is the truth? It's whatever you want it to be. It's whatever you want it to be. It's whatever be. you want. Um, okay, so do you have anything else that you'd like to add to Natalie Portman's performance before we move on? No, great performance. I'm never watching that movie. <laughs> fair fair enough. Okay, uh, let's talk about Meryl Streep and Florence Foster Jenkins. So, um, I'm going to very quickly... Uh, just read a synopsis for this because Florence Foster Jenkins was actually like a historical figure that basically kept like the music scene alive in New York during the depression era because she was so rich three biopics. Yeah. And like everybody literally just sucked up to her because she was so rich and she was tone deaf and just super not musically talented, (laughs) but she loved uh, music. And so, very quickly, the story of Florence Foster Jenkins, a New York heiress who dreamed of becoming an opera singer despite having a terrible singing voice. And um, in real life, Meryl Streep actually studied opera singing at Yale, I think. But she, her original education was in opera singing, Oh. so she can actually sing operatically. I think at one point in the movie, she actually does like properly when she has when she's like dying, or yes. near the end, or and then she's like picturing herself as like an angel, uh, and then she's actually singing. I think that was actually her singing. Like, uh, well, I mean, but for the movie. Um, Couple facts: Meryl Streep actually does all of her own singing for this movie. I would hope so. I would hope, yeah. Um, and Simon Helberg actually does his own piano playing, which is pretty impressive. Um, Hugh Grant was semi-retired whenever he was offered this role, but he agreed to come out of semi-retirement, whatever the hell that means, because he wanted to act opposite Meryl Streep. I remember watching Graham Norton, and uh, uh, Graham Norton was asking Meryl Streep if any actor has ever like given her a note. And then she looked over at Hugh Grant and was like, yeah, you. (laughs) And it was really funny. And then she's like, just kidding. I'm like, are you? Are you? Are you kidding? Uh, Florence Foster Jenkins was actually, like the real life Florence Foster Jenkins was actually in a cab accident, a taxi accident. I don't know what you would call that. uh, And Um, She gave the driver a box of expensive cigars because suddenly she could hit a higher note than she could before. So she thought that, like, the cab accident, like, gave her, like, better singing abilities. (laughs) And um, people believed that either her singing was a genuine act, like a joke, like an act, um, or it was... As a result of brain, tiffy, brain tissue damage from syphilis, from having years and years and years of syphilis. And syphilis Actually. will do that to you. It makes you think you're a superstar. <laughs> she uh, would, uh, she uh, died in 1944, and I did look this up. The first successful rounds of treatment of syphilis using penicillin was in 1943. Yeah, in
2: 1943, they figured out it would work. And up to that point, they were like, she was still taking mercury. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> mercury? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and kind of arsenic. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, isn't arsenic poisonous? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just try not to, you take enough to kill the syphilis and not yourself. And not
0: yourself. <laughs> it's very tricky. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, just poor timing on her part, but uh, it did present Florence Foster Jenkins as like a really wonderful person. She seemed like she had a big heart, very generous. She was very sweet. Um, And she had an extreme passion for art and performing. And she wanted to keep um, the integrity of art alive. And that's why all of her money was spent on it. And, What I enjoyed about this movie is that of all of the movies so far, this was like the most lighthearted, frothy,
2: charming, and fun. Cute,
0: funny. And I just needed to come up for air (laughs) based on all of these traumatic performances. Um, And this was just really nice. Um, It's always nice to see Meryl Streep, you know, losing herself in another character like this. And um, I loved... The aesthetic of the time period. I love yes. the architecture. I love the clothing. I love the jazzy type of music. Like um, just the aesthetic of the movie, I, I thought was 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 amazing. Um, whenever they perf- whenever she performs at Massey or not Massey Hall at uh, Carnegie Hall, I always thought Carnegie Hall was like a stadium for some reason. Carnegie Hall, uh, I actually looked up online, has a capacity of two thousand eight hundred and fifty. Oh, it's tiny. We could fill that. Well, did you ever do the New Year's Eve Massey Hall gig? Yes. That's 3,500 people. Oh. So if you've done that, then you've done a bigger venue than Massey Hall. A lot of Or than Carnegie Hall. God, I keep calling it Massey Hall. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so what did you think about this movie, and what did you think about Meryl Streep's performance?
2: Uh, this surprised me, because I didn't really know anything about it mm-hmm. going in. And that's usually how I try to approach these. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And then I'll read stuff about it afterwards. Right. Or sometimes during if I'm not not particularly compelled. Uh, uh, loving, 100%. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: I uh, I love this. I thought it was thoroughly entertaining. Mm. Um, you know, the Brits are good at doing a nice, fun, frothy comedy. And there was a little mm. bit at the beginning where I'm like, oh, I feel like this is just... Like if Julia Child couldn't sing and had syphilis, yeah, and and then I then I sank into the character more because yeah, you know, it's Meryl Streep; she just disappears. Yep. But I found everyone is, was great. I thought Simon Helberg did a really good job. Hugh Grant is just a charming man. <laughs> just a li- I I like seeing him. I like
0: I like older Hugh Grant. I
2: think even more than I liked, you know, young charming dashing
0: well, have Hugh Grant. You seen him in Maurice. It's like no. this gay movie from the late '80s it's sort of like a period piece and it's like about like forbidden homosexual. Ew, no. Ew. Gentleman with a long handshake. Yes, yes. And then, uh, you know, it like, he has to marry a woman and then that it's, it's good. I think it's like on like Tubi TV. Like, Oh, that's where I watch the L. Yes, yes. Me too. Which every time I see a movie on Tubi, I'm like, Oh no, it's free. I don't know, but no, it was great. Loved it, loved it. Um, but Meryl Streep as Florence Foster Jenkins. What I really appreciated was when she did the bad singing. It's like this sounds weird, but it was like she did good bad singing. I didn't.
2: I didn't appreciate how good the bad singing was okay. until the credits when they were playing the actual recording. Yeah, and I'm like oh no Meryl you nailed, nailed that it. you nailed it 100% yeah. it, it immediately changed my opinion of the performance because I'm like oh that was really good but I, to me it was like oh that was a really good Meryl Streep performance I'm like oh no that was
0: great like you really got into that character yeah, like, 100%. you really nailed it kind of surprised that there are not more drag performers that do Florence Foster Jenkins I think that would be a deep cut I'd never heard of her before this I mean I only knew about her obviously because of this yeah. but like apparently like Um, What did they say at the end of the movie of the uh, um, Carnegie Hall uh, catalog? It's like the most number one requested recording of all time. And David Bowie apparently like had one of uh, Florence Foster Jenkins recordings, like one of the original recordings. Like he owned the record because he was like obsessed with it. So she clearly was like a historical figure. But I guess it just. Her star like burnt out over time. Like, I don't know. It's and it's very hard to tell. Like, were these people all just trolling her? Right. Oh, 100% they were.
2: Or, like, were you into this? Like, (laughs) <laughs> and that was the, like the whole time I'm like is she in on the joke does she not know and I was really worried because there was one point where I'm like "Well, everyone's being kind of mean like yeah. telling her that she's so great and I'm like that's kind of a mean thing to do to someone yeah. and just embarrass her and I'm like oh no it's because she wants to do it and they love her yeah. they just love her so much
0: and that completely changed the tone of it I was like "Oh, Florence well once I saw once okay the, the, the director of the movie I need to look this up but once I saw that the queens, like, the gay guys in the movie were, like, obsessed with her, I was like, oh, it's camp. Yeah. They think it's camp. And then I kind of got... Because, yeah, at first I was like, ugh, this is actually kind of mean. But at the same time, though, this is a super rich, privileged, out-of-touch-with-reality woman who is surrounded by people that are supporting these delusions that she is this fantastic Chanteuse who is, like, able to... Be so good that she can go and sing at like Carnegie Hall yeah. for thousands of people. Well, apparently she was uh, the in the real life like she, people were requesting
2: that she perform at, at Carnegie Hall. Like people were yeah. badgering her, and I think they said they turned two thousand people away.
0: Okay. I like, okay, and I believe that. Okay, I would go see that. Oh, I would totally go see that. I would totally go see that. <laughs> um But. The only times where she's not delusional is whenever she comes close to death. And what's interesting about the movie is that death is always on the table. And um, whenever she goes into Carnegie Hall and, like, Hugh Grant is, like, looking for her. And then he finds her sitting, like, in the seats. And then she kind of just has that moment of, you know... Because she... The way that the script was sort of written was that like every time that she's delusional it's like she's happy but then like whenever death is on the table maybe that was just the way that the audience would have sympathy for her character but it's when she says that people think that i'm terrible but i'm still here and when she says that and like she's crying i think like that was like her oscar moment um in this movie uh obviously there's many moments but like (laughs) i think that was like the the moment where you kind of see like the emotional kind of center of florence foster jenkins where you're like Maybe you do realize that you're not super amazing. Yeah. Are you
2: aware of the fantasy and choosing to just live within it? Exactly. I mean, like, like mm, I don't care. I'm going to do this.
0: Well, it's yeah. like all the real housewives of whatever city, right? And the, like the, the show that they have on like Bravo. It's like all of those women are delusional. Oh, absolutely. But you're like, are, do you know you're delusional or you just love the fantasy? I'm just, people are paying attention to me. So I'm going to continue the delusion. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the one thing I was struggling with the whole movie. It's yeah. just like, are you, like, are you in on the joke? Are these people just using you? Yeah. Like, cause I was convinced Hugh Grant had just married her for her money and that was it. And this is all a <laughs> sham. And he was just like, okay, I have to, have to grease the wheels and I have to entertain her so I can have my hot young mistress who I think could do better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was struggling that with the, the whole time because I'm like, this just feels like bullying. It just feels yeah. like you're bullying this bit. poor lady to get her money. But I'm like. Oh no! Everyone's just supporting each other's delusions. That's fine.
0: That's fine. As long as I guess you're all in on it. But um, also, do you remember in the end, whenever like she was looking for the New York Post, and then he like yes. buys all the thing, uh, buys all the newspapers out like every single block, and then um, at the luncheon, she like goes to like the bathroom or whatever, and then these like two gay guys like walk in, and we're like, Oh you're my hilarious. god, you're so you're funny! Amazing. You have you're like the most comedic genius of all time. I'm like. Did you, could men and women just use the same bathroom like back in the day like that was really oh, were weird were they in the bathroom I thought they were just on the way to I thought they were I thought she was coming out of the stall and oh. I was like wait what I, there was that that I thought was weird but then also like maybe she wasn't aware of how awful she was because she seemed really thrown by that that so like I guess maybe that was the whole point of the movie was for us to kind of decide on our own mm-hmm. if we thought that she knew or she didn't because like that was kind of a little unclear Um, I love the comedy, the subtle comedy stylings of Simon Halberg, like whenever he, she comes to his apartment when she's like overexcited and then he starts playing a little song on the piano and she goes like, oh, is that that's such a wonderful melody. Is that yours? And then he's like, yeah. And then she starts to sing her own lyrics, (laughs) but it's not English and it's not. And then he goes, Oh, like how wonderful. And
2: like, I was convinced that they were going to have a moment where I like, they were going to break up because she wanted to sing on his compositions. He's like, no, no. There's a line. I thought, I thought that was going to be the line. So I
0: was kind of glad that that storyline didn't end up happening, but like,
2: Oh, don't hurt her feelings. Yeah.
0: In real life, um, the character that Simon Helberg was playing with the piano player, um, he was obviously gay in real life. And then after he was done with Florence Foster Jenkins, he, like, became a bodybuilder. He did later on. Yeah, because his music career just, that was his peak. That was his with peak. With Florence. And they did show, like, a little, like, Charles Atlas thing in yeah. his apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was, like, really, which was, like, really interesting. Um, it was, like, fun. You turned into a pervy old gay. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we all eventually become a pervial gay. Uh, I'm well on my way. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I also just love the way that she was just like a big kid. She was like an overexcited little girl that lived in a fantasy world. I loved the terrible singing. I loved the um, emotional honesty when it called for it. Mm-hmm. And I loved how delicate her ego was. I loved. Um, just the way that Meryl Streep brings the characters to life in a way that Meryl Streep can bring a character to life. I will be honest, it did have a little bit of like Julia Child vibe. It, really, it did. At first, I was, I'm like, okay, Julia Child
2: has syphilis, and she, yeah. can't, <laughs> and she can't sing. <laughs> All right. I, 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 but I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's just where the, the accents were from the same neighborhood, but maybe
0: yeah. a little further down the street. I, I just, you know, I, I really wonderful performance certainly a breath of fresh air in this pile of very heavy <laughs> dark subject matter and then this was just like a fun lighthearted movie it was lovely it made me want to have a sleeping turban yes. let's bring <laughs> so those back has, yes <laughs> she had a sleeping turban and I also loved whenever she had that like I don't even... It was, like, a crown on her head with, like, this sheet, and yeah. then there would be, like, these, like, these jewels hanging from the sheet. It was all very flamboyant, very extravagant, very... I'm not surprised the gays were into it. Yeah, it was... Well, she, she looks like a drag queen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I also, it did break my heart, though, whenever she's like, um, she comes to Hugh Grant's apartment, she's banging on the door and he won't let her in. Yeah. That really broke my heart. Yeah, right? it's like, oh, we have an understanding. It was
2: like, I don't think she
0: understands. Yeah, standing in the same way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's sad. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Meryl's performance before we move on? No, I don't. Thank you, Meryl. That was... Fantastic and frothy. That is a movie I would watch again. That is a movie that I would watch again. Okay. Let's talk about our winner. Let us talk about Emma Stone in the movie La La Land. I remember... um, I really have to, to stop saying this. I'm always very delightfully surprised by Emma Stone. Oh, I love Emma Stone. I love Emma Stone too because I know her from like The House Bunny and Superbad because that's what I grew up with. Okay. So for me, sometimes I just go, you're fucking, the, you're the bitch from fucking House Bunny. Like I can't see her as anything else but then I see the movie and then I'm like, oh yeah. I think the most lost in a role I've ever seen her in is the movie The Favorite with Olivia Colman. Haven't seen it. Oh, she plays a very Convincing pretend lesbian and she okay. does a great job in that movie. Um, She's also great in Cruella. She was amazing in Cruella. I think that La La Land for her uh, because this was uh, Damien Chazelle the director he actually um, cast her in this movie because he saw her on Broadway uh, in Cabaret I believe in 2014 2015 and he thought that she was amazing as Sally Bowles in Cabaret and decided to do Um, put her in this movie La La Land which is interesting because Damien Chazelle is actually the first director to win Best Director for a musical since Bob Fosse for Cabaret and when I saw that Emma Stone was in this movie originally doing the singing and doing the dancing I was like I don't know about this (laughs) like I was like again super bad House Bunny I'm like "Mm, I don't know that she's going to be able to handle this Um, I was very wrong she is very very well cast in this movie and this role of Mia is clearly a character that was built around Emma Stone's strengths she has that sort of comedic sort of styling Mm -hmm. she has those dramatic skills and I think that it's a very Emma Stone role that allows her to take her specific talents to the next level because she has to do so many things it
2: did yeah it felt it very much felt like Emma Stone doing an Emma Stone Thing. Cool. like a super yeah. bad easy a like yeah, that. that that kind of thing which i wish i always find charming i find her
0: endlessly charming of course um so a couple facts about this movie um ryan gosling used to practice six days two hours every six days a week two hours a day um and uh to to learn how to play the piano so all the scenes in the movie where he's playing the piano he actually is playing the piano um Uh, the lot that she works on is the Warner Brothers lot which I've actually done a tour of so actually it was interesting seeing the places that I've actually been to Um, it always looks bigger on camera and in real life it's actually not as big as it looks Um, actors are tiny the iconic scene where they have the purple twilight Hollywood Hills they did that five takes over two days and they only had 30 minutes to do so between 720 and 7:50 7 pm and they ended up using the fourth take in the final movie uh, in the in like the final like per, like product I mean. Um, this is just nothing to do with the movie. this is just an interesting fact. your car fob is actually amplified if you hold it underneath your chin. Is that real? The signals are um, amplified by water and your brain is mostly water so it actually helps. And it doesn't cause cancer, but like they said in the movie. That's hilarious. Um, uh, Originally, Emma Stone turned down this role for Beauty and the Beast, uh, and Ryan Gosling actually turned down the role of the Beast for this movie, and then um, Emma Watson ended up filling in for her. And then that also happened again in the movie Little Women when Emma Stone was supposed to be in Little Women, and then. Emma oh, I thought they were looking at
2: getting Emma Watson for this originally.
0: I think it, I think it was, it was Emma right? Watson and, and Miles Teller
2: like, from uh, Whiplash, from the director's last movie. Yeah, and
0: they like swapped. Yeah, yeah, weird. Um, and this movie shares the record for most Oscar nominations at fourteen with Titanic and All About Eve, but is the only one to not win Best Picture because of Moonlight, mm. and. Okay, so yeah, this movie basically is just about going to L.A. and making it and being another, you know, drop in the ocean and uh, the story of two people finding each other and helping each other succeed and ultimately being a part of each other's success, but they just can't be together, but they'll always be a part of each other's lives and love each other. It's a very sad movie. And I remember the first time that I watched this movie, I had just gone through a very dramatic breakup of being together with this guy named Chris for like two years. And then like three weeks later, I started dating this other guy who I ended up dating for like a year and I was an emotional wreck.
2: How did this movie resonate with you?
0: Because I was like, thinking about moving to Toronto at the time to become a stand-up comedian and my career was like I was a Starbucks barista so like the whole like following your dreams and like moving somewhere to like go on auditions and stuff like that this is what my life was about to become and then like going on a date like with this guy I was like projecting my idea of what I thought he was onto Ryan Gosling I was (laughs) weeping in the theaters it was so embarrassing and every time I see this movie I cringe a little bit because I'm like I was a hot mess at that point in my life and I remember um, I was just crying all the time and so this this movie has always had the kind of like a soft spot for me and I've always like really loved it and And I remember it being so like devastating to me emotionally but I will say this time around it really wasn't that intense <laughs> you could but handle it I could handle it this time I wasn't as like upset this time but um, I have a lot of fond memories of this movie and uh I think Emma Stone, delightfully, was awesome as Mia, and I think that she was the right choice. And I always love her and Ryan Gosling together. So what did you think about this, seeing this the first time, and what did you think about Emma Stone?
2: Uh, I I loved Emma Stone's performance. I I thought she and Ryan Gosling had really good chemistry together. I do not understand why everyone lost their minds over this movie. Really? I genuinely don't get it. Because now, because I knew that there was a bunch of buzz. Like I heard all about it, and people are like, "This is the best movie in the world." And and watching it, I'm like, "Okay, so they're doing a musical, which is." I love musicals, but I think they belong on the stage or animated. I think it's, (laughs) (laughs) unless it, unless you're turning a Broadway, something that was already on the stage into a movie, Mm. I don't think it works. Mm -hmm. It always confuses me. Like when they're having that flying scene in the planetarium, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) What am I doing with this? Even the opening scene where I'm like, okay, so we're having a flash mob on the freeway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Get into, get into musical mode. Right. But it was, it was like, it was a throwback musical with a story that's been told a million times yeah, and it didn't really do anything new. So like, was this just everyone really overwhelmed by nostalgia and like it came out at the right time yes. so that people wanted this like palette cleanser to distract them from the world. Like I always have to try and throw up, like what were people thinking back in 2016 that they lost their minds over this movie? Over Cause this movie, I right. thought it was
0: good, but I didn't think it was deserving of all the, the insane praise that it got. That's so funny. I I love this movie. And I hate musicals. And I think the reason why I enjoy this and I hate musicals is because it's not really much of a musical after like the first act because there's all those big dancing scenes in the beginning. Um, The stretch of freeway that they're on and the... um, very opening scene and they're all singing about like going to auditions and coming to LA and being a star and stuff like that is the same chunk of freeway they used in the movie Speed (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny um and then I love that there weren't as many ensemble, like, big chorus songs after that. Yeah, they kind of moved away, which was nice. I, I like that, because yeah. I, I find musicals exhausting. And I like that it kind of became more about, like, little dancing things. And, like, they had, like, little musical numbers. You know, it was like really Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire mm-hmm. kind of type moments. And I, I enjoyed that. Um, and I'm glad that they kind of took it back. They took it down on the singing. Emma Stone's vocals is... Fine, you know she's not an amazing singer, but like she, she can sing. It, It fit with the it fit with the character. Yeah, and it was some of the.
2: I think my biggest problem with the movie was I didn't feel like they developed the characters in the slightest (laughs) they're just like here are these archetypes which you should recognize and we're not going to fill in the blanks for you because you should recognize these two archetypes okay (laughs) and so just accept it and just fill in the blanks for
0: yourself and we're just going to tell this what i felt was a very superficial story true i think maybe what that was supposed to be or at least the way that i would interpret it is that like they don't need to change because they're already a star just waiting to be discovered so I think that's maybe why they didn't have this, like, big arc or this, like, big growth or, like... Because really the only change was went from poor to rich. Yeah, that was the big change. And also, like, their relationship. But I just enjoyed... I also enjoyed the randomness of J.K. Simmons being in the movie for some reason. He, I, I understand why, because he was in Whiplash, same director, probably wanted to work with
2: him. But sure. I am like, you kind of wasted J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Like, so you're having him in this movie and he's...
0: You're fired! It's like, you get four lines and then you get to... That dance was, around yeah, the musical number so, in the corner so like, okay <laughs> it was so weird um, but the like that song like the do
1: do 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 yeah.
0: that like always gives me chills because again like weeping in the theater next to a guy I've been dating for two seconds <laughs> he was like they're there, there. Um,
2: uh, I was shocked when I read that it was supposed to be a romantic comedy I was like where was the comedy I don't think I laughed once where's the comedy oh really
0: well I loved um, because... I found more
2: comedy in L than I yeah. did in La La
0: Land <laughs> did you do you go on auditions do you go on a lot of auditions for like you know commercials and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. So like you know, like whenever you're doing those those auditions, a lot of them are just humiliating. And for me the 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 comedy, the funniest line for me was when she's doing like a weird like dangerous minds audition and then they're like why you be tripping and she's like no Jamal, you, you be, be tripping. Trippin. It was <laughs> like what? Like, you just, you go on these, like, just weird, inappropriate, I'm not right for the role. Dumb. Audition, and like, people walking in on your auditions, like, I've had, yeah, I've had a lot of, like, rude, like, they just are trying to get you out of the room, like, thank you, like, you can leave now. Like, I I, I stopped going on, on auditions because I found them, like,
2: humiliating. Oh the commercial ones, I never cared because I'm like, this is 99% about what I look like. Yeah. And when you, like, you know, you go into the... Casting room, and you're like, okay, well, there's eight thousand people that look like me. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I, I love this, that they did that too. Yeah. There
0: was like a bunch of redheads all wearing the white shirts. The white shirt,
2: yeah. I mean, that part. Apparently, they mined their lives and their cringy auditions to to kind of flesh things out and make things real. So all of that ring very true. Yeah, like it's all it's all very true to life. I just. I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe I was too
0: close to it. So I'm like, okay, why am I watching this? Well, I mean, that's why, like, you know, Tom Hanks was, like, praising this movie and all the actors and everybody in L.A. is because it's, like, that's literally their story. Yeah. So they're like, you have to see this movie. But then, like, let's say Gary from Debut, Montana. Like, I don't know if this is going to be something he's going to turn on and enjoy.
2: Yeah, I mean, Hollywood loves seeing movies about Hollywood set in L.A. So I'm not, I'm not surprised
0: that Hollywood loved it. I was just surprised that, everyone seemed to really like everyone is really it. on board. I loved it. I loved the, um, not unrequited love, but just sort of like the tragedy of their love story.
2: I mean, it was nice that they were like, okay, well, our, your life went that way. My life went that way. Yeah. Let's have a little montage of how our life might have been. Well, that
0: was, that was what added to like this, this poor guy that I was dating for like a second. And why I was weeping so much is because like I was moving to Toronto and like he was staying in Ottawa. So it was like, were like parting ways but star-crossed
2: again, lovers but I like,
0: literally knew him for like two dates so like, <laughs> it was it was a lot um, yeah I love the piano melody symbol of their love um, I didn't like that she was disappointed in him whenever he was like playing the concert with John Lennon and he was doing something that John wasn't Legend, super uh, John, John Lennon John. John, <laughs> John Lennon would have been a very <laughs> different movie that would have been a very and interesting... then the ghost of John Lennon shows yeah. <laughs> up
2: <laughs> unexpected they do a tap dance scene it's great oh my god um yeah, i thought john legend did a really good job he was one of my favorite parts of the movie it was yeah. like okay because he felt like a real he felt like an, an authentic character rather than just like yeah an archetype that
0: you were supposed to fill in the blanks with i agree um i he also learned how to play the guitar for this movie interesting fact you don't know
2: how to play the guitar john legend I come god.
0: on he knows to play everything um I also just sort of love the argument that they have over, like, having a steady job in art that, like, you kind of sacrifice your integrity for versus, like, following your dream in art, having more of, like, a non-lucrative... Yeah. Basically, it's like, do you want to be, like, a corporate comedian or do you want to, like, you know, do your own independent thing and produce your own shows kind of comedian... Um, or uh, if you're a designer, it's like, are you going to be a freelance designer or are you going to work as like a graphic designer for like Walmart yeah. and make like signs for like 5 dollars on sale? Like yeah. those kinds of and versus commerce, you know, and I, I like that, that kind of um, moment to it. Uh, this also felt very like old Hollywood nostalgia, which I obviously love. My um, special that I that that is now available on Crave TV, uh, called Kyle Brown Introducing Lyle. I make it look all like old Hollywood, so like I love again the aesthetic of it, kind of like Florence Foster Jenkins, yeah. right? Um, and uh, whenever she has her one woman show, and there's, <laughs> I found that scene very triggering. Oh, absolutely. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Because she's, like, bombing in front of, like, seven people. And I'm like, that's just Puff Mama's show on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Like, that (laughs) happens all the time.
2: Um, And, hmm. Yeah, the, the one thing that I thought was weird was all of a sudden, like, her boyfriend shows up at the apartment it's like okay we're going on a date I'm like wait a minute she's got a boyfriend Yeah. what okay this, is, confi- this is very
0: confusing because yeah. you're you know acting like someone that's got a boyfriend <laughs> I'm like I don't think he's going to be around for much longer yeah probably not he's very businessy and she's an artist mm-hmm. um, also seeing her as a barista I mean that's where I started to yeah. when I was, like, a freelance illustrator and fresh you, out of college. Were and, you a better barista than she was? I was. I was. Good. Just
2: because this isn't your dream job doesn't mean you don't have to do a good job. I
0: agree. I agree. <laughs> um, and uh, I also know it's like, yeah, to go on auditions for six years and not book anything. But then I actually, the first thing that I ever booked an audition, and interview, was when I fired my agent and I just... Um, started doing like either like non-union things yeah. or people would just reach out to me and I would book things. So auditions not a fan of, and I guess I just kind of felt that pain um, of the struggle that she was going through and giving up and going back to Boulder something Nevada. Um, and I love the relationship between Mia and Sebastian. I love the music. I love how it's kind of a sad ending. It's nostalgic for me because of the, the dating situation. And uh, I love this movie and I love Emma Stone in it. And I think it's her like really being playing to her strengths. That being said, though, I don't think that she'll ever win another Oscar again for being Emma Stone. You know, like how Julia Roberts won for like yeah. Aaron Brockovich because she was like her most Julia Roberts. It's like this is Emma Stone's Aaron Brockovich, if you will, where it's like. She's not a chameleon like exactly. Meryl Streep is.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so I, I think I think that this is like her big, unless like she switches it up and does something totally different yeah. in like another role. But I think that this will be her last time winning an Oscar for being Emma Stone.
2: Or people just are hiring her because they want her to be Emma Stone and they're not interested in her being a chameleon. They're like, no, we want this. We want, we want you to be the Samuel Jackson of, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> white, white red-haired ladies. Yeah. Um, Okay, do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we select our winner? Uh,
2: no, no. I just, uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I was genuinely surprised that this movie was so beloved. Oh, that's funny. I love this movie. That's hilarious. Uh, I love Emma Stone. Love Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. There's so many I, Ryans. So, there's so many Ryans I love. <laughs> yeah, I love them. I thought their chemistry was great. I just, I just didn't. It, it felt like a, like a like a kind of a throwaway movie to
0: me. Okay. Oh my God, that's so funny. Well, then you are probably happy that Moonlight won Best Picture. I still haven't seen Moonlight. <laughs> okay, you have to. But it's... I know I liked it better than this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Moonlight is incredible. I totally see why it won Best Picture. Um, okay, so you are my guest. So please reveal who you think that the Oscar should have gone to. I think... <clears throat>
2: I think the Oscar should have gone to Isabel Huppert. I thought that was an incredible performance. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I try to separate like how much I love the movie from how much I love the performance. But in this case, I love both of them. I thought she nailed it. I thought she did a really natural performance. I thought it was really compelling. I I thought it was like understated while being in this crazy over the top movie. I just I, I just I was thrilled. This was my first
0: real introduction to her, and I'm a massive fan. I am so I ugh, I'm torn. Like I'm so torn between like I'm so torn between three of these. God damn it! Um, Meryl was a very close second. Uh, Once I realized how good she was at bad singing. Okay. Okay. Oh god damn it. No, how do I I don't know which to pick. Okay. I think that the Oscar should have gone to Isabelle Hooper. <laughs> and the reason and the reason why is because Emma Stone actually was a close second because it was um, nostalgic. It had that old Hollywood feel that I love so much. I love the music. I love the dancing. It's this side of her that, frankly, I really didn't think that she had, and she does, and she nailed it. Um, I love Emma Stone being Emma Stone. However, I have seen this from Emma Stone before, but this fucking character, Isabel, who pair played it now, I have never seen a movie like that. I've never seen a performance like that. It was so dark and the way that she just was constantly like, oh yeah, by the way guys, like I was just raped the other day. So nonchalant. Yeah, like who wants to order a glass of wine now? Like it was just like, what? And like so, there was so much going on and the way that she kind of navigated it to me because it was so ridiculous. You'd almost think would kind of ruin the movie, yeah. but she did it in such a way that like I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And just for the love of God, those the rape scenes like I can't imagine having to act something like that so horrible like out. And she went there. And again, like Nicole Kidman, Sharon Stone, Diane Lane, Julianne Moore, they all turned it down because they were like, "This movie is fucked." <laughs> and I love that Isabel Hubert was like, "Yes, like I want this, and I'll." <gasps> do this and I'm going there but literally Emma Stone like hard second but just the fact that Isabel Hubert went there I've never seen anything like that and she nailed it is the reason why I pick her okay so thank you so much Ted Morris for being a guest on this podcast where can people find you on social media
2: they can find me uh, at dog Torted. d-o-g-t-o-r-t-e-t doctor with a g uh on everything pretty much
0: And Mm -hmm. tedmorris.ca once I get it back online. (laughs) (laughs) Died again. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest, and we'll have you again. Bye. Bye.